There's a high fly ball from KMOX Sports. That's it deep to left field, and it's a gutter. Big fly, Nolan Arenado. There's a moment for you. Welcome to the Meyer Jensen Sports Open Line. And it's driving jam time. And the Billikens win this one. Meyer Jensen, a personal injury law firm, because sometimes the gloves have to come off. MeyerJensen.com. Comeback pattern caught. Touchdown, Kansas City! Now, Sports Open Live on America's Sports Voice, KMOX. And a pleasant Wednesday evening. Joe Pott with you tonight here on Sports Open Line. In for Kevin Wheeler. And our thoughts are with Kevin. He's off uh, attending to some uh, family business. But we appreciate the opportunity to come in and... uh, talk to you tonight. We've got a lot to get to, and we're going to start actually right off the top. We're lucky to have uh, Ken Davidoff, who is a columnist with the New York Post and uh, who is covering the baseball lockout situation, is actually uh, in Jupiter at Roger Dean Stadium, which is where they have been meeting. And I appreciate, uh, Ken, you taking some time uh, right here off the bat, start of our show to kind of chat a little bit about what's going on or maybe what's not going on there uh, in Jupiter. Uh, Yeah, not a heck of a lot, Uh, Joe. uh, Quiet day today Uh, in terms of the offers uh, exchange. uh, Just the the, the teams offered a little more on the minimum salary. Uh, The big takeaway from the day was that the owners made clear in their minds to the players that if they do not get a deal done by uh, Monday, February 28th, then uh, there will not be a full season, and therefore they will not get their full pay. Just, uh, man, I, I did not think when we when we got to the to the point in December where, where the lockout took place, I, I just didn't have any thoughts that we were going to get to a point where we were talking about missing regular season games. How, how did we get to this point where now we're talking about the possibility of missing regular season games? Well, I think it's been a long time coming, Joe. I think it goes back to the previous uh, collective bargaining agreement back in 2016, uh, when within about 24 to 48 hours of uh, its completion, um, uh, the the players were upset with the deal, Mm -hmm. which meant really that they were upset with their own leadership. Uh, They felt like they had been bamboozled by the owners, and they've spent the last five years just just, uh, planning for revenge. And... uh, I, so I think that's why their asks are so high. And then the owners didn't do a heck of a lot over these last five years to try to bridge that divide. Uh, so that's why uh, we are where we are. The, I don't think either side's proposals have been uh, very legitimate in terms of getting something that the other side would really agree to. So that's why we're in this mess. And today, uh, you know, just uh, I, I saw I saw that you tweeted. It was just about uh, not quite two hours, I guess, today that the, that the two sides were together. The the big meetings last about an hour forty, okay. and then there was a smaller meeting with two people from the MLB side and three people from the MLBPA side. That lasts about a half hour. And what are they getting out of the what's different about the 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 smaller groups that are the the contingencies or the, or the breakout sessions that, that they're not getting in the in the full meetings? I guess they're less formal is the best way I could put it. You okay. know, the, the big meetings are where they're actually laying out the proposals here that we're offering you. And then the smaller sessions where they just kind of talk things out a, a little more uh, specifically, dig a little deeper. So what is what what are we looking at as far as the difference between the two sides right now 
you know, if there's if if it's the one issue or or just you know the dollar amount, like where are we at? What what can possibly make things move here? <laughs> well, it, it is interesting if you want to be a, a, a cup what a cup cup half half glass full. God, I'm losing my mind. <laughs> glass half full, a glass half full person. Uh, then you can point to there really are no fundamental differences per se. It's not like one side wants some massive uh, change of, of the agreement. It's just they're disagreeing on money. They're very, very far apart on money. Uh, and that's what it comes down to. Every single issue, arbitration, eligibility, revenue sharing, the minimum salary, the collect the, uh, the competitive balance tax, uh, and on and on and on. And they're just, they're really not barely even in the same neighborhood. I in fact, our producer asked me this afternoon, what what do you remember about the feeling the last time that, you know, there was a, a, a big work stoppage and, and I was in high school at that point. And I just remember it being, you know, it kind of that feeling of, boy, this this is terrible. We don't have any baseball. We're not, you know, we don't get to watch baseball. I cannot imagine what is going to happen to the fan base if this, if we lose regular season games here. I feel like that that is just a disastrous outcome for both sides. That's precisely the word that Rob Manford used a couple of weeks ago. Uh, look, I, I think, you know, I think we've learned, uh, I guess I'm a little older than you. If you're in high school the last time I was uh, just out of college. So, uh, you know, I think we all thought it was doomsday and for sure they took quite a hit. You know, they did cancel world series that time. Uh, but you know, the bottom line is most fans, I think will come back. Uh, you know, I think there's a, a kind of that slow drip attrition that we're seeing with baseball. But, uh, you know, I, I think I, bottom line is people talk big, but most don't act on that. And and that's right. I, I mean, I agree with that. And I, I, I think that's probably the case as well. We don't have a McGuire and Sosa race to bring us back, though. <laughs> uh, you're right. You're right. Nor uh, a Cal Ripken streak, right, uh, right. you know, or a, 19, a Yankees dynasty. Uh, you know, we do have uh, Mike Trout, we have Shohei Otani, we have Vladimir Guerrero Jr., we have Aaron Judge. You know, we have a lot of exciting young players who are pretty fun to watch. Uh, so, you know, I, I just yeah, I, do I think baseball is in trouble on the macro level? Yes. Uh, of course, this doesn't hurt it. But, yeah, I'm just not ready to predict that Major League Baseball would be out of business in 10 years if they don't solve this by Monday. And I certainly, hope, I certainly hope that's not the case. And I didn't mean to suggest that. I just feel like it would be, it would be, you know, it would just be maybe not maybe disastrous was too strong of a word. I just feel like it would take such a hit uh, after 2020 when we had a season without fans in the stands. And, um, you know, I, I, I think it would I feel like it would take longer to kind of come back to rebound than maybe it even did the last time. And, and, you know, like you said, it, obviously it's going to, it's going to hinge on, you know, some of those players and some of those stories that we all like to follow and the things that we wish we were talking about right now. Yeah. Look, I, and I, I respect what you're saying. I think it's fair. I just think we need a little perspective, Like they've canceled a world series the last time. I mean, that's, that's disastrous. You know, that's disastrous on any, every level, right? Because that's where they, they really make their nut financially. Sure. Uh, and just the history of what it means to crown a champion. If we're talking about this season going from 162 games, let's say 140, that's terrible. That's extremely undesirable. But I just don't think it'll be some tidal wave uh, reaction to that. You know, if there's still 140 games and the playoffs and the World Series, 
et cetera, et cetera. Uh, what uh, what is next? What uh, do we need to expect? I know that the that the owners ask again about arbitration. The players again turn down uh, the arbitration idea, the option. Um, you know what's what's next to come? Mediator, yes, I'm sorry, mediator. What's next to come in the in the next couple of days? What's next to come is who's going to blink in this game of chicken because mm-hmm. that's what it's really been from the beginning. You know, it's, it's been that way for a long this entire negotiation. You know, Major League Baseball is portraying itself as the hero here. We've made some real concessions. Uh, I disagree with that. I think I think their offer is. Uh, I mean, I wrote uh, last week or two weeks ago. Uh, you know, it's like agreeing to become Jewish and then giving up bacon and saying, "Okay, I'm done." You know, th- no, there's a lot more work to do. Uh, you know, they've made a few interesting offers at the margins, but the uh, competitive balance tax offer is, is is awful, and you know, the players would be crazy to accept that. Uh, and on the other side, the players' ass are just sky high. They're just not realistic. So someone has to blink. Uh, that's what it comes down to. Uh, Ken Davidoff in Jupiter, I appreciate you taking some time. I know that they just finished up, and I know that you've got plenty of work to do. You can follow Ken at Ken Davidoff on Twitter. He's of the New York Post, uh, and I certainly appreciate you taking some time tonight. You got it. Have a good night. Thank you very much. That is Ken Davidoff covering the Lockout and uh, lack of progress there between the players and the owners uh, happening in Jupiter, Florida. We'll break now. We'll come back. We'll switch gears here. We're talking about a big story here in the St. Louis area uh, involving college athletics and Lindenwood University. And we'll get more into that when we come back at Sports Open Line. I'm Joe Pot on Camo X. Joe Pod back in on Sports Open Line on a wintry Wednesday night here in downtown St. Louis. So we'll switch gears. We talked a little bit of the baseball lockout, which we'll get back into a little bit later on in the show. But I want to take some time and uh, talk about big news today from the St. Louis area and from college athletics specifically. One that uh, I have a little bit of a connection to. Um, if I think most people know that my uh, main full-time gig is over at SIU Edwardsville in athletics, and they are a member of the Ohio Valley Conference. And uh, Lindenwood University made the announcement today that they will make the jump to Division One. They'll reclassify their sports to Division One, and they will join the Ohio Valley Conference, and they will do that officially starting uh, in July of this coming year. So they'll compete in the fall in the OVC. And it's uh, my pleasure now to welcome in here to Sports Open Line, Brad Walkler, who is the Vice President for Intercollegiate Athletics at Lindenwood University. And Brad, thanks for the time. And first and foremost, congratulations on the move and the announcement made today. Hey, Joe, thanks for, thanks for having me on. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's exciting. It's uh, been a, a long time coming, um, although it feels like a, a short period of time. But uh, we've been working on this for quite a while, so... Excited to get through, uh, get get to this point, and, and and you know, I kind of told a lot of people today that the press conference is great. One, this was an important step, but now all the real work begins. Yeah, and and you said it. It's been a long time coming, although it feels like a short time. And I think that's what maybe you know people from the outside looking in say, well, you know, you just got to the D two level about ten years ago. You know, why was this the right time? What made this the right time for Lindenwood to to further reclassify? Yeah, no, that's a great question. And, you know, we were we were approached about uh, five or six months ago by the Ohio Valley Conference asking if we were interested in a transition and willing to explore it. And 
you know, something is kind of clicked, I think, internally where, hey, I think it's a good time for us to look at this. A lot of, a lot of uh, realignment, as you know, at the Division One level. Uh, so a lot of spots are opening up as schools move between conferences. And, you know, they, they provide us with that opportunity. And, and as the uh, NCAA constitution be, is changing and there's going to be transformation on a national level, uh, probably the, 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 the most ideal time to, to tra- transition was now. You know, I got there about six years ago, and uh, when I got there, we were, we were set up as a Division One institution, and, and uh, we were ready to make the jump um, at that point in time. And I think we continued to grow and, and develop and uh, got to a point where we said, hey, we need to take a hard look at this. It, it's good for our university. It checks a lot of the boxes that relate to our strategic plan. And, and so here we are today with uh, the exciting news that came out. You were at a uh, Division One institution. You mentioned Central Michigan. Before that, you were also part of a uh, Division One conference, the Mid American Conference. When you started looking at the Ohio Valley Conference after they approached you, you know what about the OVC was a good fit and was the right fit for Lindenwood? Yeah, it's a great geographic match for us. So if you look at it, and, and like you said, you're, you're right down the road at SIU Edwardsville, and we got SEMO not too far away, and a couple other schools within our within reach. Uh, I don't think there's a school that's more than five hours away. So, you know, uh, an opportunity to create some really good natural rivalries. And then also, uh, you know, it, it opens some easy pathways for our fans and our, and our parents and families to, to, to attend road games. But just looking at the, the OVC from a student athlete experience standpoint, that's really near and dear to my heart, um, really focusing on how we can mess, make it the best experience for our student athletes possible when they come to Lindenwood, it just meshed really well with what the OVC does and, and what their focus is. So, you know, it, it worked out, and, and Beth Bush is, is incredible, and she's a great leader and, and the co- commissioner of the OVC. And, and uh, you know, we hit her off and had an opportunity to sit with the presidents and, you know, understood the, the, the nature and the collaboration amongst that amongst the, the presidents and the schools in that league and just very impressed from top to bottom. And so, again, they've had a lot of transition. They've been a very stable league, but they've had a lot of transition, as, as many places have in, in the last couple of years. And uh, it just seemed like the right time and the right fit for us. Brad Walkler is with us here on KMOX. He is the vice president for intercollegiate athletics, intercollegiate athletics. I can get that out uh, at Lindenwood University. And, and Brad, one of the things that Lindenwood has that SIUE does not have is football. And you'll be the Division One football program in St. Louis. That's that's pretty cool. Yeah, that was and that was a big driving force. You know, the 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 opportunity to be the the standalone Division One football program in in the in the region and and uh, you know I think that there's a there's a gap in the market that we are happy to fill. Um, and so I know our football coaches are already hard at work as we've made the announcement. They're out recruiting as we speak. We're out trying to build the schedule. And so uh, you know. The, the one thing I will say is, you know, we are going to be really aggressive with, with creating an atmosphere and an environment that people want to be a part of. You know, it's not you, you don't just, uh, you know, announce you go in Division One, snap your fingers and everybody automatically shows up. You know, we have to create that environment and enthusiasm on campus that people want to be a part of. And, and we're already on well on our way to do that. Um, but, you again, having that opportunity to be the only Division One football program in the in the city. And in the region, it is really special for us and one that we think we can capitalize on. And, and we're looking forward to, to get on the, on, the, on the playing field next year because it's a short runway. We, we have to, we're <laughs> transitioning here pretty quick, so there's a lot of work ahead of us. Now, what happens uh, as far as postseason competition? Um, 
if if I'm correct, you'll be able to compete for Ohio Valley Conference championships. Is that the same for NCAA postseason? Is there a, any kind of grace period or moratorium? Yeah. So unfortunately, <clears throat> there's a four-year transition okay. period, and so we will un- we will not be able to compete for NCAA postseason for four years. We are fortunate enough to be able to compete for Ohio Valley Conference championships. Uh, but, you know, and, and again, not to sugarcoat it, that transition is not an easy, it's not an easy transition, uh, you know, especially in those first couple of years as you're trying to recruit, you know, student athletes to your, to your university and trying to build schedules, uh, you know, but as we get through it, um, and I know that we have the staff to do it, I'm, I'm very confident in the coaches and the support staff that we have in place here. And, uh, you know, I'm, I think we're going to come, come, out, come out on the other side of it really, really strong Division One institution. Um, you know, they are having some conversations at the D1 level about is four years the right period of time for our transition? Should it be less? Uh, but I'm not holding my breath. So we're planning on that four year transition and uh, we're going to we're going to do we're going to have a lot of work to do during that period of time. But uh, looking forward to it, it's going to be a lot of fun. That was something that uh, I was there for at, at SAUE as well. I just wasn't sure if that was still the case, because, as you said, there there is constant change. Um you mentioned the game day atmosphere that you plan to create. I've been to games at Hunter Stadium. I've been to Highland Arena. You are already in a very good position when it comes to the facilities that your student athletes enjoy. Yeah, yeah, we're we're very fortunate in that regard. Uh, you know, we have one of the best football settings that I've been to. Uh, you know, and, and it's it's a it's a privilege to have that facility for us to play games, especially if you come on a night game. It's a really cool environment. It's kind of sunken down and and. Uh, um, right in the middle of campus, and, and we've created a really good tailgating and game day experience here this past year, and we're looking to grow that, you know, even further as we move to next year. Um, and, and you know, and then Highland Arena, the same thing again, very D, Division One caliber facilities. Uh, there, there's some, there, there are some modifications we have to make. There's some upgrades that we have to that will take place from a facility standpoint. But, but we are definitely fortunate, and we're not behind the eight ball by any means. You know, with some schools that are transitioning have a lot of work to do on the facility side and, and, and we're lucky enough to have some really, really good facilities that, that we're able to compete in. And so uh, certainly fortunate there. Brad Walkler with us here just for a minute. I don't want to take too much of your time. I imagine that you have been quite busy today. This is uh, an exciting day. day. Yeah, I bet it has. And as you said, the press conference is nice and it's, it's good to do, but you do have work to do. What, yeah. what are some of the things maybe that are, you know, the first couple of things on that list that need to be checked off? Yeah, no, so the next couple of weeks are going to be busy because we're, we're sitting down and we're meeting with each sport program individually and we're going to talk about what that transition looks like. Every sport's going to be a little bit different. Uh, so we'll talk about, hey, where, where are we going from here? As I said at the press conference today, we're not, we're not doing this just to say that we're, we're, we were invited to the party. We're, we're doing this to be, to be nationally relevant and we're going to compete for championships. So you know, we're going to sit down with each coach and talk about what that looks like and, and it's not going to happen overnight. It's going to be a four-year transition, but you know, again, we're going to, we're going to be right there um, when we come out on the other side of it. So we're going to sit down and talk with our coaches. Um, the other piece of, of it is there's several sports that we have, and we have a lot of sports and we have 29 NCAA sport programs and, and not, not every sport is sponsored by the Ohio Valley conference. Mm-hmm. So my, my one job here coming up in the coming days is to find affiliate membership for some of our other sports and other conferences. I've already had great discussions with a couple conferences that, that I think would be a logical fit. Uh, so we're we're going to do that, and then we're going to start building the schedule. Because, so like I said, that runway is very very short to get to uh, twenty two twenty three. The fall will be here before we know it. Well, Brad Wackler, I appreciate you taking some time for us tonight. Uh, congratulations again on the uh, on the announcement today, the move to 
Division One and the Ohio Valley Conference. And uh, I know that uh, probably you and I will have a chance to catch up down the road uh, here as SIUE and uh, Lindenwood become uh, natural rivals. Yeah, that'll be great, Joe. I really appreciate the time. And uh, yeah, it'll be, it'll be fun as we move forward. Absolutely. Thanks so much. That is Brad Walkler, the vice president of intercollegiate athletics there at Lindenwood University. They announced today they will make the reclassification to Division I and the Ohio Valley Conference. And so another Division I institution uh, in the St. Louis area and the lone football program at the Division I level here in the St. Louis area. Cool news there, and uh, as he said, there'll be a lot of work to come for Lindenwood, but that's exciting and kind of cool that they'll start next fall as well. We have got uh, plenty more to do here on Sports Open Line. Had a couple of quick guests there right off the top, so we'll get into some of the other goings-on here. Uh, Talk a little bit about the Blues. We'll look at some college basketball as well. We will get back into a little baseball lockout talk probably in the uh, 7 o'clock hour as well. So more to come. Keep it here. It's Sports Open Line on Camo X. There's a high fly ball. Welcome back to the Meyer Jensen Sports Open Line. And it's a gunner. Big fly, Nolan Arenado. Meyer Jensen, a personal injury law firm because sometimes the gloves have to come off. MeyerJensen.com. And the Billikens win this one. Touchdown, Kansas City. On America's Sports Voice, KMOX. Listen, it will it will be really nice when uh, we have actual highlights from John Rooney and Rick Horton, and we're talking about uh, on field baseball as opposed to in the meeting rooms baseball. So, uh, if you missed it, we did chat with uh, Ken Davidoff of the New York Post uh, right off the top, talking about really a, a lack of production from the meetings so far. He is in. Jupiter, Florida. I believe we'll be joined by Joe Sheehan, a baseball writer as well, and we'll talk to him in the 7 o'clock hour, so we'll talk some more about what is uh, going on and, and like I said, really what is not going on at the at the uh, negotiations because there's really not much happening. And and I I said to Ken, and I, I'll, I'll say it again, I, I just didn't think when we were in November that we were going to get to the point where we were going to be talking about the chance to miss regular season games, but now they're saying... Uh, As Ken said, and as I I just see an ESPN uh, alert as well, they're saying basically February 28th is that deadline, that that's Monday, that if there's not something by Monday, that they can't have a full season. So we'll see what happens and we'll, we'll see. I thought that it was going to take up until there was really some leverage till we get some urgency. And there, there wasn't a lot of leverage, I guess, until we had, the opportunity or until we had the chance, I should say, of missing regular season games. But now here we are and we're at that point and we'll see if that actually does ramp up the uh, urgency or not. Switch gears again. Let's talk about the Blues because the Blues got a big road win last night, winning in Philadelphia 4-1. to one. And uh, so a couple in a row for the Blues after they won over the weekend as well against Toronto. They're back home tomorrow, not tomorrow night, Friday night. uh, They'll be home against Buffalo. Last night, big uh, story, the biggest story, I think, is probably that Jordan Bennington came back and played well in that game last night. 26 saves against the Flyers last night. And Philadelphia, of course, if you recall, is where he got the start, where he uh, made his first NHL start, kind of where the Blues started making that run in 2019. So maybe it was a little good, uh, a, a good bit of mojo or something there uh, for Jordan Bennington in Philadelphia. And I'll let you listen to a little uh, post-game sound from last night 
And uh, first up, Craig Berube talking about uh, starting Jordan Bennington. You know, he was going to play at some point, but it, you know, it crossed everybody's mind a little bit. I think we discussed it, and um, you know, it was, you know, it was just he was going to play at some point, but uh, he did a hell of a job tonight. You know, I thought he was active playing the puck. You know, he looked he looked sharp all game. Third period, you know, I, we weren't that great in the third. I didn't think at the start, and um, he held it he held it together for us. It's Craig Berube uh, after last night's game. So then the question is, is Bennington like at a point that he could get on a roll again? Well, I I don't think I never did not rely on him or, you know, listen, every goalie goes through bad stretches in this league. And, um, you know, I don't think that uh, I don't, you know, I think he's he's ready to roll again. Like, you know, he had a really good game and, um you know, I don't see any, you know, going the other way. That's just me. I believe in him. Jordan Bennington after the game also obviously talking about what he's been going through and kind of bouncing back to getting to the point where he got to last night. A nice game, a nice win. Yeah, you know, it's not how I would draw it up, but, uh, you know, it's it's about building that resiliency back and, and uh, just taking it one day at a time and, and going to work and, um you know, believe in yourself, and, and you want to be there for the boys, right? And um, so, yeah, it's just it's just focusing one day at a time, and, and when you get in there, um, just play your game. And more from Jordan Bennington. He talks a little bit about uh, the support that he has had. Yeah, I've, it felt good. Um, uh, I think the boys were happy, happy for me, and um, you know, everyone's excited. That's a great road trip. That's seven out of eight points, and um, you know, we had a lot of fun just being on the road together and. And uh, so it's just a, a smooth trip, and it's just it's a it's a great group to be around and uh, be successful with. So the Blues right now are a point out of second in the Central Division, and they have I take that back. They're a point in second in the Central Division. They are one up on Minnesota in second in the Central Division, and uh, Minnesota behind them though has two games in hand. So Minnesota uh, play, has played two less games right now from the Blues, but they are thirty, fourteen and six, and they come home tomorrow night. They'll have the Sabers tomorrow night at home. They'll go on the road for a game against Chicago on a Sunday afternoon. That's a two o'clock game on Sunday afternoon, and that finishes out uh, February. March is a really really busy month for the Blues. And they've got eight home games in there as well. Nine home games, rather, in there as well. So uh, it doesn't certainly doesn't get any easier. And it's it's always interesting. It's sort of like the the quarterback controversy. They say if you have two quarterbacks, uh, you don't have one quarterback, right? So that's kind of the question I think that the Blues face with Billy Huso and Jordan Bennington. And, and Baruby said there after the game last night, he has not ever been at a point where he doesn't think that Bennington is ready to roll. But I think that you can sort of make the deduction that the by starting Billy Huso and playing Billy Huso as he has, that maybe that's not completely accurate, that maybe there is some thought there that Billy Huso is the number one. But I don't think it's a bad thing, obviously, that Jordan Bennington is playing well. I just think that it is sort of that quarterback controversy type situation that if you have two goalies you don't have one goalie right you don't have one that you can turn to and call your number one and that was sort of the case when Bennington sort of emerged and you had Bennington and Jake Allen going for a while and now Bennington is the one that's at the beginning of a long contract and you would like to be able to use Jordan Bennington as that number one that 
used more often, but at this point, playing-wise, I think that you have to do, play the hot hand and play the, the guy that's going to get you the most wins, and at least for the time being, it appears that it has been Vili Husso in that situation. 19 games for Vili Husso. He's 12-3-0 with a 1.97 goals against average. Bennington in 25 games, also 12 wins, but 10 losses, and he's got a goals against average of north of three. So there's definitely a difference right there in the two goalies as it stands right now, and we'll see. Can they work Bennington back in? As I said, March is going to be a really busy month for the Blues. So they're going to have to use both goalies. It's just a matter of who's sort of going to emerge as that number one goalie. But the Blues get the win last night. Bennington gets the win. He plays well, and we'll see where they go from here. Buffalo is up next. That's on Friday. We'll take a break. We'll come back. We'll wrap up our number one of Sports Open Line here on X and uh, get you set up for our number two. We might even take some calls in our number two tonight. So we'll make it a true Sports Open Line uh, coming up later on in the 7 o'clock hour. So we'll finish up our number one here just after the break. I'm Joe Pott at Sports Open Line here on X. Joe Pop back on Sports Open Line on Camo X. Happy to have you along tonight on a Wednesday night. Hope everyone is uh, home and uh, safe. Not like me and Matt. We'll have to drive later and uh, traverse the uh, city through the winter weather. Though, actually, out the window here, it looks like it has slowed a little bit. So maybe by the time that, that we have to... Uh, we have to head out. Maybe they'll uh, have the, the roads a little bit more clear for us. So... Again, as I mentioned uh, last segment, and this literally is just coming out, that the that Major League Baseball spokesperson has said that that, that February 28th deadline will cause uh, regular season games to be missed if they don't meet that February 28th deadline and that the players would have, you know, would lose salary if they didn't get those regular season deadlines in. And it has a little bit more specific information on some of the numbers when we were talking to Ken uh, Ken Davidoff of the New York Post earlier, we were, he was just talking to that 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 it's you know the it's money. Everything that it comes down to is money, and one of the things that they're talking about is minimum salaries. And Major League Baseball has proposed a starting minimum salary at six forty, then going up by ten thousand six hundred forty thousand dollars, going up by ten thousand dollars. Each year, Major League Baseball Players Association wants it to start at 775 and it grows by 25000 each year. So um, that's that's where we're at as far as that goes. And it's one of those things where as you and I look in on it and I see $640,000, it's hard for me to relate to why we can't get somewhere in between 640 and 775 Those are the two starting numbers that we're talking about here and that that's where we're stuck. At least that's one of the issues. Um, some of the other issues obviously are, you know, the years before you get to arbitration, how long a, a team has control of the players and those kind of things, but ultimately all coming down to money. Um, and that was the only real change though, I guess going from that large group that Ken talked about, they met about an hour, 40 minutes, and then they were going to break and then go into those small sort of breakout sessions. And really the only change apparently came in that difference 
uh, or in the offer from Major League Baseball on the minimum salary. It was originally going to be starting at 6.30, and now it's 6.40, so it's a $10,000 difference as far as that goes, as far as the offer, but it doesn't matter because they're still far away from the 6.40 to the 7.75. We are going to have a chance to visit with Joe Sheehan, and we'll talk a little bit more about that and, and kind of what it means and maybe some of the other issues that, that are on the table there, but ultimately, as we said, it does come down to money. It comes down to money in all of these situations, and it's going to come down to money if they start missing games because then it's going to come down to revenue being lost for the owners. It's going to come down to salary being lost for the players, and I, again, think that maybe that's where the urgency kind of kicks in sometime in the next five days before we get to that February 28th deadline that they start realizing, and as Ken said, one of them has to blink. One side has to blink. There's another cool article uh, that I actually ran across on The Athletic as well that Ken Rosenthal did. Matt Carpenter apparently reached out to Joey Votto uh, to help fix his swing and or help fix kind of what was um, bothering him. He said he was really considering, seriously considering retirement. So that was interesting. I thought that he went to Joey Votto, and Joey Votto obviously is just renowned for his uh, preparation is training. I read somewhere one time that he actually takes, he actually practices fouling pitches off. He actually practices like spoiling the pitch. So it's not even a matter of, yes, I'm trying to make contact to get a base hit. He's trying to make contact and foul it away so that he can see another pitch that he likes better that he can actually put into play. Um, but that was something that they detail there that Matt Carpenter is actually talking with Joey Votto kind of about how he has kept himself where he is, kept himself in the shape he has, and kept himself in the game. Uh, Carpenter is actually, uh, Joey Votto is uh, 37. I don't know. Carpenter's really close to that age as well. But So reaching out to kind of one of his uh, contemporaries there, but also a uh, an adversary as far as on the field goes to uh, kind of fix that fix his swing and fix what's ailed him. We'll get into more uh, baseball talk in the seven o'clock hour. Uh, probably really, really quick in that seven o'clock hour or fairly quick in the seven o'clock hour. We'll visit with Joe Sheehan. We are going to uh, open up the phones a little bit, make it a true sports open line a little bit later on as well. We'll talk a little college basketball as well. I think as we get along here on a Wednesday night, keep it here on camo X sports open line. I'm Joe pot.